Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, where we teach Christian entrepreneurs how to build a strong foundation of faith, growth, and skill to lead and thrive on purpose in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, certified coaches, Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. I am your host, Sebastian Richard, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Elizabeth Richard. And today's episode is episode nine, how to find your purpose. It's been a long time coming. Obviously, with a podcast named Thriving on Purpose, we could not ignore this subject any longer. And by the way, For those who don't know, thriving on purpose has two meanings. I'm just going to take a little time here to explain the name of not only our podcast, but our business. So thriving on purpose. Number one meaning, it means to thrive on purpose. As in, I am thriving and it is not an accident. I am thriving because I have implemented plans and because I have chosen growth and because I'm intentional about my success. Therefore, I am thriving on purpose. That's the number one meaning. The number two meaning means to thrive on or with purpose. So in other words, because you have found your purpose, you are thriving. So you are thriving on your purpose. Does that make sense, everybody? I hope so, because I just I was just wanted to take some time to clarify this. And it's interesting that thriving on purpose spells top. And our logo is a mountain top. And we believe at Thriving on Purpose that once you're thriving on purpose, guess what? You're going to reach the top of the mountain that God has set before you. That's the only way to do it. Just wanted to share this with you guys. So, by popular demand, this week's show is going to be big. It's about how to find your purpose. Now you might be thinking, well, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm already in business. I'm already crushing it. I'm doing it. I found my purpose. But guess what? There's something that most people don't know. Guys like me and uh, and Liz, okay? Coaches, people who are in the personal development business, One of the questions we get asked the most is, how do I find my purpose? And do you know who asks this question the most? Surprisingly, it's not people who are at a job or doing the nine to five or who are confused about where they're going in life. No, surprisingly, the people who ask that question the most are people who for the most part, seem to have it all together, seem to be basically thriving on purpose. There are are these uh, successful business people, uh, people who have money, who have success on their side, and yet they're the ones who ask this question the most. And here's my theory on this. I think they ask this question the most because they're the most intentional. See, like uh, little Joe doing the the J-O-B, the job thing, the nine to five, who never asked himself real questions, might not ask this kind of question. But the person who's been doing the work 
grinding, working hard to rise in, in, in their business or in, in having more success or trying to figure out ways to, to build something, these are the people who will ask themselves these types of questions. Don't you agree, Liz? Absolutely. Um, and I've heard many stories. I've actually sp spoken to a psychologist online uh, and we were discussing this very topic mm. and uh, he actually had a hard time with it. And um, we, we had a good conversation together and, and he studied psychology for many, many years. And he says, it's still hard for me to explain to a successful person how to find his purpose. Yeah. Because, you know, some, some people are very skilled and they have certain, you know, uh, certain strengths and th certain things and they are good at what they do. So they become very successful. Yeah. They have the material uh, things they want and they reach the top of their profession yeah. and realize, you know what, I don't really like what I'm doing. I don't feel like I was put on this earth for this. I'm There's got to be more to life. Mm. And they're miserable. And they drink and there's all kinds of problems related to that. So, And oftentimes they'll consult a psychologist or a coach to talk about these issues because they, they feel it in their gut. And yeah. oftentimes they're not Christian. So, you know, it's like there's something tugging in their heart, but they don't know what it is. Yeah, and as we'll see during the episode, of course, God plays a major part in the purpose thing. Exactly. Uh, T.D. Jakes, uh, speaking of what you just said, uh, the successful people who are questioning themselves or not, uh, T.D. Jakes said once, and I thought it was so spot on, he said, you can be successfully wrong. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. I mean, when I heard that, I was like, yes, spot on, exactly it. I mean, you can reach the top of your profession be crushing it, making big bucks, big money, and yet you you're still haven't found that thing that you're supposed to be doing on earth. And it's profound. I mean, it's a profound question. How do I find my purpose? So there are four simple questions you can ask yourself to get a pretty good grasp on what you are here for. And when I say here, I mean earth, right? So these questions or steps, if you prefer, they've been talked about written about, even philosophized about, by the greatest thought leaders. And these people, these thought leaders, have addressed how to find your purpose time and again. And here's what I found. I, these questions always come back. They always tie into how you find your purpose. Because for every great thought leader or book written about purpose, there are many different recipes, if you will. But you can still crunch those big thoughts into four major things. And I think we have it pretty good on this episode on how to find your purpose. So these four steps or four questions, they are at the center of how to find your purpose, okay? And guess what? Only you, dear listener, can answer those questions. No one else is qualified. So. Finding your purpose is something that you will accomplish by asking yourself and answering the right questions. So no, today we will not reinvent the wheel on this episode, okay? However, we will give you the most potent, realistic, and actionable steps to help guide you in the right direction. So we believe that these four questions will really establish the grounds that can 
help you to find your purpose if you're serious about tackling these life-changing questions. But before we do that, we would like to address how you will not find your purpose. So we're going to do a little bit of debunking here because uh, there are some beliefs or predispositions uh, by Christians that can lead them down the wrong path uh, when it comes to finding your purpose for your life. And it's not because you're a Christian that you're going to have a better handle on the purpose question. It's kind of strange as believers. We have these preconceived notions that can sometimes lead us astray from what we're really supposed to be doing as believers. So this is something we're going to address. So let's get right into it. Your purpose isn't to go to school, get a job, and pay bills for the rest of your life. Now, can your job or career be related to your purpose? Absolutely. And if you're lucky, you might have figured out at a young age in what field you should study and devote yourself to make it happen. But if you're like most people, chances are you didn't go to school in the field that is connected with your purpose. See, most people find their purpose in their 30s or 40s. Mm -hmm. Shocking, isn't it? And not in their teens, and especially not at their job. I don't know if if I'm like most people, but if I look back at um, how I felt when I ended high school, I had no idea <laughs> what I should do with my life. And um, that's actually when I decided to take a year off and go to Bible college and learn uh, the Bible for a whole year because I had a lot of soul searching and a lot of... Uh, connecting with God to do to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Mm. And that was a whole beginning of a whole journey for me. Um, it's not as clear cut as a lot of people think, you know, they're just going to study a certain thing, it's going to work out. And the proof is, if you look at a lot of young people in school today, a lot of them have changed uh, their studies like three and four times. Yeah. It's really, really rare. Somebody that knows from a young age, 16, 17, what he wants to do, actually does it, studies it, and actually is happy in that profession. It is extremely rare mm. if you just look at the people around us, right? So all this to say that if you're, you're still at a job, you are most probably contributing to the purpose of someone else and not your own. In other words, at your job, you are most likely contributing to the purpose of the founder of the company you work for. Yeah, that's true, you know, so we have to to think about that. In some cases, you know, maybe your temperament goes and what you want to do goes well with that notion of, you know, being part of a team that's doing a certain thing that you approve of and you love the company direction and you feel like your purpose is contributing to this this type of work. But in most cases... Most people are doing thing uh, are doing a job that they don't like, and they're basically, um, you know, just clocking in, clocking out, and just going through the motions. And they're they're helping somebody else, you know, basically thrive in their purpose. And yeah. they're basically just like little ants all working together, right? So that brings us to the second point we would like to debunk. So the second point is becoming a believer was only the first half of finding your purpose. Mm. So many believers think that becoming a Christian is what they were put on earth to do. 
For sure, believing in the work of Jesus Christ and becoming born again through regeneration is the most important thing for a human being while on earth. So don't get us wrong. We're not dissing that. Oh, no, we're not. Definitely not. But this is only half your story. It doesn't stop there. Your conversion was only the beginning of your answering the call of God on your life. God created the specifics of you with a very specific work in mind. And this specific work is your purpose. That's what you need to figure out. Amen to that. Exactly. I'll let you uh, go a little more in depth in number three. Well, yes. Like for the conversion aspect, some Christians believe like I came on earth to accept Jesus Christ. I've accepted Jesus Christ. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. This was my purpose. I'm done. I'm done. Everybody else is here for nothing. Like <laughs> I'm a Christian now. I'm sealed for eternity. This is it. I, I, I'm good. I can cash in my chips now. But this is only half your story. I mean, this is only the beginning of the story, actually. Because this is when it gets really exciting. Exactly. <laughs> now that you're That's walking with one. God. <laughs> now that you're walking with God, a.k.a. your maker. Whoa. What did he plan for you when he brought you here? Really, seriously, now you're going to start figuring that stuff out. And it's really exciting. So that's the first thing we wanted to address. But now the third point, the third thing that we want to debunk is, as a Christian, your purpose is not to spread the gospel. And now, now haters... Keep, keep still. Don't, don't jump just yet. Let me explain this, okay? Because <laughs> I know a lot of evangelicals, and the name is evangelical for a reason, they're going to jump at me and say, yeah, with the Great Commission is so important, and how dare you say this, and how dare you say it's not our, part of our purpose. And what did you just say? Sacrilegious. I know this one comes as a shocker, okay? But unless God has issued a clear call on your life, to be an evangelist, I am convinced that God did not make you and put you here for this task alone. So let me clarify here, okay? Everybody knows Billy Graham. Billy Graham, whenever he spoke about his life or his job as an evangelist, he always said it in terms that meant, hey, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm doing it with the fullness of my intentionality and capacity to the glory of God. Billy Graham knew his purpose. His purpose was to be an evangelist. And that's what he did until he died. Okay? Now, for some of us in the body of Christ, our purpose is also to be an evangelist. Because God has given us the gift of evangelism. Which is awesome. And... For those people, they have, like Billy Graham, a very specific call on their life to be that evangelist. So it consumes their whole daily activity. That's their purpose. Yeah, I just want to... So, add- so I, w- I want to differentiate here yeah. that the mandate of the Great Commission is given to every single believer and to the church as a whole. So it's something that God requires of us to do. It's something that we're supposed to do, okay? But it doesn't necessarily mean, it, it doesn't mean that God made you for this, okay? Exactly. That's what I, I was just going to explain. I think that 
Uh, it's very clear in the Bible that God expects us to do it. It's normal and we're supposed to talk about our faith. We're supposed to live as Christians in a way that non-Christians will see that we're children of God and um, you know, we'll be a, a light for these people. So we yeah. are supposed to talk about them. This is like this is supposed to be normal, you know, yeah. that you're you're at work, you're talking about I don't know what you do on Sunday and then you talk about that you go on church, do yeah. you go to church or whatever, like you bring it, it if it's part of you, it's part of who you are, it's just going to come up and yeah. you're going to end up talking about God a lot at work or wherever you are. And that's that's uh, that's what God wants. That's part of the normal Christian but life. We're, when we're talking about being an evangelist and we're talking about having a special calling on your life to to teach the gospel in a certain way, we're talking about a spe- specific gifting also. Yes. Because if you look at Billy Graham and you look at other evangelists, they had a special gift. They had a certain way of talking about the gospel that really transformed people's hearts. It really touched people's hearts in a certain way, mm-hmm. you know, that even if we had tried, we wouldn't have the same impact. It and was for, just very different. And for the rest of us who don't have that gift of evangelism, we have to be like uh, Dwight L. Moody said, preach the gospel at all times and, if necessary, use words. <laughs> so in other words, we have to walk the life, right? I mean, we have to yeah. uh, be an example, just be those believers that are going to be contagious by who they are. Um, and if necessary, at times, use words. <laughs> okay? Yeah, and you know, like, I know a lot of people that, you know, have these special evenings at church where they uh, go evangelize and talk to people about God, and they really feel like that's, you know, their ministry in the church to do that. And that's that's great. And, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to work through those people when you talk to them. But when it comes to your purpose... It could, your purpose can be something else while you do that. Mm-hmm. So this well, is exactly. just an addition, you know? Yeah, that's just something you should do as part of your life. As, but it's yeah. not necessarily your, the reason why God put you on earth, okay? Uh, so why, why did God create you with all of your talents, gifts, and personality and put you here? Was it to spread the gospel? No. I mean, and I've said that, uh, I think, in a previous episode. God could have created angelic drones to spread the gospel if he wanted. Okay, so I want to make that clear. When he uh, demands of us, when he mandates us to spread the gospel, he's making us partners with him in the, uh, the Great Commission. And it's awesome because he uses that to our own sanctification. Okay, so when you spread the gospel, oftentimes you're the one who's more transformed than the other person you spoke to. At the, at the, end, of it, at the end of the day, the more you speak of your faith, the more you're transformed. I don't know if you've noticed that. Okay? So, while God expects us to be obedient as believers and talk about what Jesus has done for us, this is probably not, unless you have the gift of evangelism, this is probably not the reason He created you. So, I just wanted to debunk this. Absolutely. And uh, the more you discover how God works in our lives and how um, He shows us our, our purpose bit by bit and the whole journey that we go through the more and more we understand the whole big plan we understand this that this this part of it is just a small uh section a small part that that we're part of mm. and that there's so much more to what he he calls us to do as christians on this earth mm. and so the fourth point uh, we'd like to 
to debunk is your purpose is not what your parents think you should do. Mm. So I'll let you um, explain a bit about your story with uh, your mom at, at a younger age. Yeah. Uh, well, see, I'm going to talk like this point is probably more aimed towards the younger entrepreneurs or the younger people who are listening to our podcast. So your purpose is not what your parents think you should do. My story, uh, at a young age, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And it just so happened that I was very good at drawing. I had an artistic talent from a very young age. And so the logical choice for me was, it, uh, I was, yeah, it's about 25 years ago. It was to go in graphic arts. I was like, oh, I'm going to go in graphic arts. Why? Because I had no clue what I wanted to do with my life. I mean, I had no, I was purposely clueless completely. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm good at drawing. Let's go in graphic arts. And my heart wasn't in it. It was very a very mechanical choice. And after two years of grueling studying in the graphic arts program and not knowing myself at all, after those two years in a program that lasted three years, I decided to call it quits. And then I went on the job market during a recession, we were in Canada in the early 90s, and it was a recession. I had no work experience and I had just quit school and I was 18 years old. So you can only imagine what kind of situation, what kind of bleak future it seemed that I was going to have. And my mother was devastated. My mom had always pictured me, as soon as I entered college to study graphic arts, as a successful graphic designer, and, and she was like, I don't have to worry about Sebastian. He, he's got a good head on his shoulders, and he made a good, logical, pragmatic choice with his talents and abilities. So he's going to become a graphic designer, and I have no worries about that. So when I quit that program, she was completely devastated because she, I think she knew a lot more than me what life was going to be from that point because it was a tough learning curve. And yet, when I look back, I don't really have any regrets. Yes, I put myself in a very difficult job situation. It was extremely grueling. The learning curve, the, the joblessness for a few years also going on and off, uh, finding a job, losing a job, finding a job, losing a job. That was so hard in those early years. But uh, looking back, I know I wasn't called to be a graphic artist. And I had a love of books. I had a love of reading. So during this time, I started developing my love of studying the scriptures and reading lots and lots of books. And guess what? God used this time for me being kind of like jobless most of the time so that I could devote myself to the reading and studying the scriptures and slowly was bringing me into my purpose. I even in my early 20s, I'm 44 years old today, uh, not today, but I'm going to be 44 in early August. So I'm 43. Go back then, I was like uh, 18, 19, 20. So that's a long time ago. And I've been studying the scriptures ever since. And God knew that when, when I left college and I started reading. I even started writing a book. It was in French, but it was a book on uh, eschatology. So at the end times, I was a big fan at the, at the time of uh, Hal Lindsey, a late great planet Earth. And I had read tons of, of books on the end times. And I had a pretty good handle on the subject. And I thought, hey, I want to write a book about that. I have great ideas. I want to 
So I wrote like, hey, it was in a Word document. Imagine that. It was 220 pages at the time in a Word document. That would amount probably in book format to something like 400 pages. I had no clue at the time of what it would have been in a book format, but it was written in French and I lost the document. I just have some printings. I printed out some of the pages I still have today. But So that was a beginning. Like That was my first steps, baby steps, into stepping into my purpose as a student of the scriptures and as a man called into ministry and as a man who, who was to become a student of the word. And that's what God wanted to do with me. And I had no clue when I left college that that's what it was going to be. Absolutely. And see, so we, we can see just in your life now, um, from that point to now, how much it's changed and how you've grown and how much you've learned and how, you know, he showed you piece by piece what you were supposed to do. And it led you to this point now. And for me, it it's a little similar in the sense that um, I was very good in art as well. And my dad uh, saw that and he said, you know, you should go into graphic arts a bit similar to Sebastian um, based on, you know, you're good in, with arts and you're good with designing stuff. And and that is one of my skills. That is a, a, a strength. But it wasn't what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So I decided not to go into that um, into that program. And ever since then, I was always searching. I was always searching what was my purpose. I did so many different types of jobs. And most entrepreneurs I, are like that. There's, they search and search and they yeah. can't find their niche into studies, right? Into everything that's like... Molded. Um, yeah, molded yeah. in school and like in a program. And they're like, they try stuff and it doesn't really fit. They don't really like it and they struggle. And that's because there's no like that. Yeah, because there's no element... Uh, of um, creativity to do what you want to do in the way you want to do it. Yeah. You know, um, had I had a passion for graphic arts and wanted to, you know, start my own profession, that would have been different. That would have been more entrepreneurial and maybe I would have enjoyed that. But it, I, I always felt that that was not my calling uh, from a young age. Mm. And, um, you know, it's, it's very important um, to not, how should I say this? Your parents, your loved ones, they know you, but they know a certain side of you. So mm-hmm. they they see your skills and they see certain strengths that are visible, okay, that people can see. Because noticing your kid is good in arts is very visible, yeah. you know. So there's certain strengths that are very obvious. And uh, you can notice, you know, certain, like your kid's bent in a certain way and you'll kind of push towards that because you feel responsible as a parent to help them find their purpose because, mm. you know, God forbid, like they don't know what to do. They're 18 and, you know, <laughs> but actually, it's actually a good thing for, for I, a I young person. I still didn't person. know what to do at 35. <laughs> well, I know I've, I've seen so many, you know, being kind of pushed into programs and, it's really funny to me because so many of them end up in social studies because they yeah. don't know what the heck they want to do with their lives, you know? And they just have to be studying something because, you know, all this time is wasting. Forward. Yeah, I just want to keep moving forward into something that maybe is going to pan out into something but else. But really, right? honestly, like, is it better for your, your child to be in social studies not knowing at all? Or is it better for them to, you know take time away and to really think and reflect on what they want to do, you know? So mm. anyway, but 
your parent always wants what's best for you. And in my case, my dad really wanted what's best for me. And um, he didn't mean anything bad by pushing me towards that. But anyway, I did many different types of jobs. I learned many, many different types of courses, diplomas, and all kinds of different professions to finally realize that I was meant to be an entrepreneur and a coach. And that was my passion. That's what I wanted to do. So, you know, could my father see that? Probably not, because you see, that's what's interesting is that when you start your journey to find your purpose, is that you're developing, you're growing, yeah. and you're, unless your parent is on the journey with you, they can't really see that evolution because they don't know where God wants to bring you, right? Yeah, no so like in your case, you, you started, you know, like your mom did notice that you loved uh, learning the Bible, but did she know what you were going to do today? Absolutely not. No, but in a way, like it's funny because she never discouraged me from that. Remember how yeah. she... She True. wanted me to stay in a church. She wanted me to develop that gift. She encouraged me when I would preach. She would come to that but church. That Even if she was later. a Catholic and we were evangelicals, she would still show yeah. up and, and, you know, just be there to encourage me. So uh, these are little things that, I don't know, like a mother's heart is different from a father's heart most of the time. Um, my, mom, my mom probably did have some inkling of a, an idea about that, but she never verbalized it. So I don't know how she thought... Like if she were alive today, I don't know what she would think. Cause she, I became an entrepreneur, by the way, after she passed away. So she has no, she had no clue that I would become what I am today. So exactly. Yeah, I was just in a job when she passed away. Exactly, and so to just conclude on this, um, this last point, it's important that you not focus too much on what your parents think you should do because there's that aspect of you know them seeing just a certain skill a certain thing a certain element to you and there's the element of where god wants you wants to bring you so it's more a question when we say it's something that you have to figure out it's really something you have to pray about and figure out on your own mm. you know because your parents will not know what god wants you to do that's that's between you and god yeah so that's what i want to say and the other thing is that some parents unfortunately have not lived out their purpose and because of that mm. sometimes they try to transpose their feelings of you know um well, trying to it, make their parents i did it this way i did the job nine to five thing i went to school nine to yeah and, so you're and, gonna do the same as me right yeah or you know uh, you know this is a family business and i expect you to follow the footsteps and do this and do that because you're uh so and so part of the family and it's just normal that you would take over the farm or you know be become an accountant or whatever it is that that he set out for himself as as a job or an entrepreneur so mm -hmm. there's that aspect too you're you're not a bad person because you don't want to follow whatever your father has set for you because he did it you might have like i know somebody uh personally that is a, a great accountant and um, he has several kids, uh, about eight kids. And uh, there's one of them that's really, really good with math. And he decided to follow his footsteps. Mm -hmm. He decided to join his father in the family business. But on eight kids, 
not all eight decided to to do that why because it wasn't their bent it wasn't their gifting only one of them had that gifting and uh, I think it's a beautiful thing if father and son can work together and it's part of their purpose together but oftentimes God has another purpose for but what I've noticed also is most of the time the parents that are pushy are those who didn't become entrepreneurs those who did become entrepreneurs are going to be much more open-minded mm-hmm. when their kid wants to become to do their own thing or right. find their own purpose or their own uh, path in life. Um, but those who did the uh, study hard, get a good job, and, and work at that job for 25, 30 years, these people are usually more close-minded when it comes to their kids doing something different like becoming an entrepreneur, starting a business or whatever. They want you to fit in the nine to five J-O-B box. Yeah, because they think that's what's normal, right? Exactly. That's what gave them security. That's what they felt was... Or insecurity, depending on the salary. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's what they felt was right for them at the time. Yeah. There's also, you know, uh, the the decades that we live in, the decade that we live in now, uh, you know, being an entrepreneurial era that's booming is very different raising your kids now in this era than, you know, the baby boomers that were all about, you know, find that nine to five job that has, uh, you know, great pay and and all kinds of bonuses and this and that. And that's the best you're going to get. And, you know, what more do you want in life? Right. Right. Absolutely. So now that we've looked at what your purpose isn't, let's now look at what it is. First, Let's get back to the basic definition of purpose. So purpose is a noun. And the first line that came in the dictionary online said, the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. And I think that's really in line with uh, us as Christians. (laughs) The reason for which we exist, right? So as such, asking what your purpose is is one of the most powerful questions anybody can ever ask. And in line with these questions are other questions, such as, why am I here? What am I supposed to do with this life that God has given me? What work am I supposed to accomplish? I don't know if you've ever heard this saying that says, uh, your life is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. I love that saying. I love that saying too, and it's it sums it up so well. So if you're asking yourself these questions, you're already making yourself more valuable than 99%, well, maybe not 99, let's say 95% of the people out there by sheer force of intentionality. Do you know how few people ask themselves these questions? I mean, we live in an overstimulating environment in the West where the bells and whistles are constantly, constantly in our ears and eyes and overstimulation all the time. And it prevents people from thinking about deep things. And Mm -hmm. most of the time when people find themselves thinking about deep things, what are they going to do? Reach for the remote, put the TV on, put the stereo on, uh, listen to some YouTube video. Because we fear the quiet. And the quiet actually leads us to asking ourselves, these questions and that's so that's so important to to remember that because um, oftentimes that's when we read our Bible that's when we meditate that's when we pray and that's when God speaks to our soul is in the quiet Amen. 
So we have to remember that, you know, I know a lot of people that um, just can't stand being alone with themselves and will just always have the TV on and music and they wake up with the TV going on and they, <laughs> you know, always, always, and they're going noise. to bed with music and it's just like way too much noise. But, um, you know, it's important to take that time to really reflect and ask those important questions and be alone with God. Which brings us to our first question in finding your purpose. So the first question is, who am I? I know it sounds pretty basic to put this as the first step, and yet this is where most people trip up. You see, most people do not even know themselves well enough, uh, much less their purpose. So most people kind of live their life as chameleons, uh, liking what other people like, having the same interests other people Uh, are interested in and don't really know themselves. Reading books other people read too. I've seen that a lot. You know, the yeah. bo popular books, uh, whatever's popular, they go for that. Whatever it's books, and TV programs or anything that's popular, they're going to go for that. Exactly. So the questions you need to ask yourself are, what is your personality like? Are you introverted or extroverted? So, you know, are you a quiet person that keeps to themselves? Are you a very outgoing so, uh, social person? Uh, what constitutes your strengths? So what are you really good at? Um, what constitutes your weaknesses? What are your weakest points? What are different things that uh, you need to focus on mm -hmm. and maybe work on? What is your temperament? Uh, what is your love language? So do you, are you a person that shows love uh, with acts of service, uh, maybe giving gifts, maybe words of acknowledgement? You know, all these things are really important to get to know yourself so mm -hmm. that you can see how you can, you know, even when you're with somebody, with, when you're married, how you can, um, you know, blend in with the other person really well and Um, speak the same love language or at least understand each other's love language, right? Mm -hmm. So what are your hot buttons? What makes you angry? You know, um, what are you passionate about? All of these things are important questions to ask yourself. And if you don't take that quiet time that we were talking about to really figure these things out, and you're always like kind of moving, moving and social bug and going to parties and, you know, going to church events and doing all kinds of stuff and, and drowning yourself out with all kinds of noise, then you're not really getting to know yourself. And it's just going to take longer for you to get on your, your purpose journey. Yeah. And, and we're human beings, not human doings. And sometimes we oversaturate ourselves in action and lose ourselves in that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that I want to bring us back to is when we look at all of this, everything we've talked about so far and everything we're going to talk about, we need to, to focus on that all of this journey, when I talk about journey, is all God forging you through different circumstances. You know, there's things that happen in your life that you wonder, why the heck is this happening to me? Oftentimes, these are lessons, these are things that you have to go through to find your purpose. To bring sometimes, you to it. Yeah. Sometimes that pain could be part of your purpose 
Maybe it's something you need to overcome to help other people. Maybe yeah. you're an instrument for other people and that's your purpose. Or it could just be something you have to go through because God needs to teach you certain things to to make you into who he wants to make you into, who he wants to to forge you into so that you can fulfill that purpose. Amen to that. And, and uh, John Maxwell says it often. He says, uh, uh, experience is nothing. A lot of people have experience, but they don't ponder, they don't think, they don't evaluate their experiences yeah. to siphon out the knowledge and the wisdom from them. And I think that your life experience is where God brought you uh, through to bring you to that purpose. It serves to bring you to your purpose. Oftentimes we hear that in, in, uh, by preachers and pastors. They say, your greatest misery will be your greatest ministry. So your your pain, your joys, your successes, uh, your your experiences, all of that has been br- uh, used by God to bring you into the fullness of your purpose. And oftentimes we are blindsided and we just don't see that, but we can see it looking back. Absolutely. When we look back, oftentimes we say, "Ah, oh, now now it makes sense why such and such." Like earlier, I was telling my story of when I quit school, what happened. I started immersing myself in the study of scriptures and books and all that. And boom, that was God slowly working me. And I'm sure I'm not alone. There's tons of people, tons of you guys out there listening to us that have had similar circumstances or things happen to them that were all preparatory. (laughs) I have a hard time saying that word to your purpose. Absolutely. And we actually used to joke about that. Remember, we used to say, one day that's going to make for a great story when something bad would happen or kind of be hard trial. We kind of laugh about it because we saw that, you know, these are just like ups and downs of entrepreneurial journey and it's all part of the process. So you get to this point where you're like, you know, you kind of laugh about it and say that one day that's going to make for a great story. Right now we find it really hard, but one day that that part we're we're overcoming is going to make a great story and actually you've heard Les Brown's story you've heard many um, entrepreneurs out there and and good and godly Christian men uh, of God talk about their stories of how they started their entrepreneurial journey or how they found their purpose and it's really really interesting so um, never forget that you know the ups and downs you go through make great stories in the end yeah so all this brings us to the second point what is my passion what is my passion i mean this is one that comes back again and again when people talk about purpose you have to find what you love to do you have to find what you're so passionate about and chances are your purpose is closely linked to what you love to do above all of course you may have more than one thing you're passionate about A lot of people juggle with a few passions, right? So a careful inventory of what you love must be taken and prioritized. I mean, there's things you are going to love more than others. There's things that are really going to stand out as all-consuming. And others that you love but not as much, right? So you need to take an inventory of that. So there's probably one thing that you love more than all the others, right? So you've probably heard the saying that if you do what you love, you will never work a day in your life. And that is so true. When we do what we love, work becomes play. It makes us want to sing and it 
puts a huge grin on our faces. And, as an added bonus, it pisses people off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking here, guys. Well, those that are miserable on the job. <laughs> <laughs> But... Another very important point in speaking of passion is this. Sometimes it's not as clear-cut as what you love. Because when we speak of passion, we automatically think, what do I really love to do? But sometimes your passion is a passion in disguise. And here's what I'm trying to tell you guys here, okay? It can also be linked to what you hate. And let me explain, okay? What makes you angry can be what you're passionate about. You can be passionately angry about certain things. And this too can be a clue as to what your purpose is. For example, you may not find you have one dominating passion. However, you may be someone who gets very fired up at any kind of injustice or human suffering, or something like that. So conversely, this would make you passionate about justice, for example. So if you're very, very angry, it gets you like off your rockers, any kind of injustice, well, maybe you're someone who's very passionate about justice. So your purpose might be linked to a field where you could make justice happen somehow. Do you catch where I'm going with this? Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you about how your passion might be someone, something you hate or something you love? So you have to be discerning here. You have to, and if you, if need be, obviously, ask God to show you because sometimes it's not as clear-cut as here's what I love to do above everything else. Yeah. And it's so clear to me I've wanted to do that since I was five. It's really not that easy. Yeah, some people will like start, you know, animal rights groups and, uh, you know, groups against abortion and different things like that. And they're the ones that have started the whole the whole um, organization because they're so you know upset with what's going on that they really feel like if they don't do this yeah. if they don't start this this, this organization movement. this yeah. movement they're not making a difference and they're not fulfilling a purpose and that needs to be fulfilled and oftentimes in doing it they realize oh my goodness they're this is what I, I feel like I'm in, in my place that's what I should have been doing my whole life and mm-hmm. <laughs> they embrace it and all, all of a sudden they're They're passionate, they're thriving on purpose, right? So the thing you're passionate about gives you a pretty good clue as to what your purpose may be. But for validation of your purpose, it has to be coupled with point number three, which is, what is my giftedness? Right, so your area of gifting You see, if you love to do something, but you are really bad at it, there's a good chance it's not your purpose. Exactly. God doesn't gift people in vain. He doesn't distribute talents just for the heck of it. Your giftedness is the most potent clue as to what your purpose may be. And what I say, when I say giftedness, I don't just mean something you are good at. No, I mean something you are very good at. That comes almost effortlessly, not a skill, but a strength. Mm. So we, it's hard, it's kind of hard to explain this for you guys, um, but it's different than a skill that you can do. Like I have many skills. I'm very good at cooking. I can sew, uh, you know, I'm passionate about gardening. I love gardening. 
Uh, I'm really good at singing. There's a lot of things, a lot of skills that I have, but that's not my gifting. That's not the thing that God has gifted me with from a young age that he's developed and, you know, that uh, uh, surpasses all these things that, um, you know, these skills that I do have. So the difference between a skill and a strength is how much mental energy you have after you exercised it. A skill after being used will still leave you weary, tired, or even exhausted. A strength, on the other hand, is something that usually doesn't take the same toll on you as it would someone else. In many cases, it might even energize you when you do it. Mm. Like you're so passionate about doing this thing that even if it's, you know, you're, you're working on it, you're doing it, you're working towards it at 11 o'clock at night and you still have energy because you're so passionate about it. And it's not just a passion, but the, it, it comes easily to you. Like a strength is like second nature. Right. Mm. In other words, a strength is something you do that you are very gifted at and that comes easily to you. So it's something that for you it's easy and maybe even some in some cases you may actually take it for granted and think that a lot of people have this strength and then you kind of look around you and talk to people and realize, no, you know, God really gave you this gifting yeah. and other people find this thing kind of hard to do. It's really not their gifting, right? So... For the believer, there are two categories of strengths, your natural talents and abilities, so those you were born with, your spiritual gifts, those you were born again with. Mm, that's very different. Like, yeah, I love the way you say that. So your natural talents and abilities you were born with mm -hmm. and your spiritual gifts you were born again with. So your spiritual gifts came after you were born again. Right, exactly. So God may want you to use both for your purpose and his glory. And I've noticed how they combine and that's why they intertwine. They intertwine and that's why it's so important to have God in your life to fulfill your purpose because I truly believe that people will not find their purpose if they don't have God because there's that spiritual aspect to it mm. that you know is not clear cut and it's elements that even as a Christian you have to kind of figure out and you figure out through time and you know God will show you your your gifting your spiritual gifting. I, I know a lot of I know a lot of successful people out there would tell you that oh they're thriving on their purpose and they're doing it and they're so happy in what they're doing and and I'm not going to deny their joy and happiness but if you're doing it without God I wouldn't want to be in your shoes I mean at the end of the day there's a huge component missing and also in the afterlife, once you meet your maker, he's the one who made you. So he's the one who knew exactly what he made you for. Mm -hmm. And by neglecting him, you kind of missed out on, like I what said earlier, half you. your purpose right, right there. So whatever you were doing, even if it was in the area you were supposed to be doing it, okay? If you were doing without him, you just missed half the story. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we have to remember that um, oftentimes what we're doing for the kingdom of God and what we're doing for uh, the fulfillment of our purpose on earth oftentimes uh, can be, you know, you're working, how should I say this, you're working towards it 
uh, also for the afterlife. So oftentimes, God's, you can feel this nudge, you can feel God calling you, but there's more to it. And we don't always know what's going to happen. You know, God doesn't always reveal to us what we're going to do later on, what he has planned for us. Mm -hmm. But we will know when we die, you know, what we're going to be doing in heaven. And I believe that um, it's linked, you know. Absolutely. So, so that's another element to, to consider. That's why it's so important, the spiritual aspect of this. So that now that we've said that, um, it's important to find your sweet spot. So what is your sweet spot? It is simply found at the intersection of point number two, your greatest passion, and point number three, your giftedness. That's where the two cross, the, the two intersect. Your greatest passion and your greatest gifting. Exactly. I love that, the sweet spot. Exactly. So those who find their sweet spot are well on their way to grasp the fullness of their calling. Hmm. Which brings us to point number four. And this point is very interesting because a lot of people neglect that point. So they, they, they are going to focus on the first three and they're going to neglect that one. But I think this one really is the icing on the cake. Number four, what do others praise me for? That's a question you have to ask yourself because this is usually going to be used as the confirmation of your purpose. So, yes, God uses others to lead us into our purpose. Have you ever watched American Idol auditions? I mean, I used to love the auditions. I would, I usually actually watched the auditions intentionally. <laughs> and when the actual competition started, that's when I started not watching it anymore. Because <laughs> the auditions for me were the best part. So, if you've watched the American Idol auditions, you've probably witnessed a ton of people who didn't have the faintest clue about their lack of singing talent. So chances are, these people were either self-deluded into thinking themselves good, or they were lied to by their peers about being good. So it's one or the other. But either way, they show up, they're, they're pumped up, they're like, I'm going to crush this. I'm going to blow them away. And then they start screeching away. And you just want to put <laughs> earplugs in your ears. And you're like, that person cannot possibly be serious. I, I mean, there's some people I saw auditioning for American Idol. I actually thought they were there to... A for a bet, a bet, like either for a prank or like a bit, you know, when you're a bunch of guys together and, and your 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 friends like dare you, I dare you to go to American Idol <laughs> auditions. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I double dare you. Okay, fine. I'm gonna prove to you that I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. And then they go and they they, they just screech and you're like, this is this has to be one of those instances where <laughs> they were put to the test. They were they were dared and double dared and they just showed up, <laughs> just and then. Once they start screeching, at the end of the, like, when it's over, if they're stopped, if they, I don't know, like, most of the time they don't get to sing the whole song, right? So the judges interrupt, especially Simon Cowell, like him or hate him, he is pretty quick to sign these poor deluded fools a much-needed reality check, right? I mean, he's the one who's going to say, that was ghastly, and I, with his British accent, that was just ghastly. <laughs> I love that word. Anyway, just... I just love the auditions. For me, it was like a study in human nature. So, if you've seen these American Idols auditions, you see that there's a strength when people have that talent 
it just shows when they come to the audition they open their mouth and you're like wow you're blown away and the others who don't have it's not their strength is like oh boy and it's fast like very fast confirmed by others and in this instance it's the three judges that are there they're going to confirm your gifting if you're if the, the person singing is really gifted right away the three judges are unanimous and you're like yeah yeah we want you we want you you know right that's that's great so you see when, when you really do have a strength zone people confirm it so when you're gifted people number one they say it so they verbalize it number two they ask for it and number three they're willing to pay for it that's confirmation of a gifting an area of gifting people will say it they will ask for it and they'll be willing to pay for it so the praise and requests of others is the most potent way to confirm one's potential calling or purpose it is implied of course that this confirmation from people will come from the people to whom your gift is aimed for so i want to be clear here all right you just this is going to be the the people will confirm it will be the people for whom it is destined or for who would love to uh you know do business with you buy your product whatever or, or sample your gift uh, your audience your, yeah. your audience your, the people are they're meant for who this is meant now this is very important okay you need to put your gift forward towards people for whom it can serve them okay you don't want to put your gift out for people for whom it's not intended okay so with the internet for example we're now able to share our gift and make it known through social media which can be a great way to build your audience or potential uh, customers or people you want to serve for example Okay, and I'm not going to give the social media example, but I want to give you an example so you'll understand this. You may be the king of hot dogs, okay? Let's say you make the best hot dogs in the country. Now, you will never get confirmation of this if you present your hot dogs at a vegan convention. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> so, you have to bring that gift, present your gift to people who will confirm yeah this is in fact a gift but if you go to a, a vegan convention and say hey taste those tasty hot dogs they're gonna go like are you nuts i don't want to even taste it and if they do taste it they might think it's tofu let's say they let's say they think it's a tofu hot dog they're gonna they're gonna eat it and they're gonna go like blah, blah, blah. that's not tofu they're gonna <laughs> spit it out and look at you like weird and, and you'll be you'll be insulted you'll be like heartbroken you'll be like they don't like my hot dogs which is another point. <laughs> don't think that because your friends and your family love you that they're your right audience. Because no. the product and the service or whatever it is that you're trying to build and offer, they might not be your your clientele. They might they might not be the ideal audience to give you the right feedback. No. And, and another example uh, right there off the top of my head. Let's suppose you built the finest automobile to ever grace the roads of any country, okay? If you try to sell it to Amish people, they will not see it as a gift. In fact, they might be offended. Why? Because as most of you know, the Amish are very much against owning any kind of modern technology. So again, I'm putting here drastic examples so that you're going to grasp this. If, it, if it's a real gift, it will have a real impact with the people for whom it is destined. 
okay? So let's just make that clear. You will get the confirmation from the people for whom it is destined. But if you present it to people for whom it is not destined, then you're going to have negative feedback and it give you give you the wrong impression about a potential purpose. Some people have, out, have ended up quitting after trying to present their gift to the wrong people. That's a huge mistake. Right. So finally, dear listeners, if after taking careful inventory of these four questions, you are still struggling to find your purpose, you must resort to one last and most crucial thing. Actually, it should have been the first thing. I'm putting it at last because I think these four questions are really going to guide you, but I'm putting it last, but it should be constant. It could have been first. I'm putting it last. Pray. Yeah, really. I mean, seriously. The maker, God, your maker, he had an intentional purpose when he created you. He had a destiny. He had something he wanted you to accomplish here on earth. And he is mostly glorified when you find that. He doesn't want it to remain a secret. He wants to reveal it to you. He wants you to discover your purpose because it is good for you is good for your sanctification, and it glorifies His name. There is no reason whatsoever why He would want to hide this from you. He might want you to do some digging. You know, there's a verse in Scripture that says, I'm trying to remember it here, it says, It is the glory of God to hide a matter, but it is the glory of kings to search out a matter. Mm -hmm. So that's a beautiful thing, right? And that's oftentimes... In that process, God really blesses us. In that searching process, God blesses us. But ultimately, He really wants you to find your purpose, okay? And prayer will definitely be a huge tool as you seek what you're supposed to do, why He put you here on earth. Yeah, after all, He's the one who put you here. So He's the one who made you. He's the one who put you here. And He's the one who has a job for you that only you can do, okay? There is no calling without a caller. Your purpose is your calling. And guess what? God is the caller. Okay? I actually wrote a, a blog with this very title. You can check it out if you go on our website, thrivingonpurpose.com. There's a blog that I entitled, No Calling Without a Caller. So your purpose as a believer is aligned with His purpose in making you, saving you, and sanctifying you. So yes, this is very important. And it's definitely important enough for you to ask, seek, and knock persistently in prayer. And God will, like I said before, delightfully answer such a plea in His own timing. Like we said before, most people find their purpose more in their 30s, 40s, and for some it's in their 50s. God is in no hurry, and He has a plan for your life, and He has a plan to use all of your previous experiences into your purpose. They will build up into your purpose. So when a believer walks in the fullness of his purpose and calling, it glorifies God. When God's children walk in the fullness of their purpose, it glorifies his name. So let's recap the four questions that you will need to ask in order to be led into your purpose. Number one, who am I? You need to make a careful and very detailed inventory of everything about yourself. You need to know yourself. Know thyself, like the philosopher said. Number two, 
what is my greatest passion? Number three, what is my greatest giftedness? And number four, what do others praise me for? So as we finish this teaching on how to find your purpose, we'd like to share with you a cool little clip where our friend and mentor, John C. Maxwell, talks about finding your purpose. And I think it is so spot on. So take two minutes. I know this podcast today has been longer than usual, but it is so important. I mean, we didn't mind going longer than usual because of the subject matter. This is huge. So take two more minutes and listen to John Maxwell talking about the importance of purpose. And if I ask you if you wanted to be successful, everybody in this room would say, absolutely. That's why you're here. But if you and I could take that success conversation and expand it, and I ask you to tell me what you thought success was, in a crowd this size, I would promise you there would be probably two or three dozen different answers because success can be very subjective. I would like to talk to you about it today. I, uh, I've studied the subject for 30 plus years. I've tried to ask questions of successful people. I've tried to talk to them, try to discover what made them successful and kind of find out what they think success is. This is a success symposium. This is a day that you've set aside, I've set aside to, to kind of be more successful and get our act together and hit our potential and climb a new level. That's why we're all here. And I think it would be maybe good for us to take just a few minutes and kind of have as a settling point and as a starting point what success is. I think success, first of all, is knowing my purpose in life. As I have watched and observed successful people, what I have discovered about them is they really have figured out why they're here. They really do have their act together. And, and, and knowing their purpose in life is a stability for them. So that when everyone else is rocking and rolling and, 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 and things are a little unsteady and people are kind of leaving the ship and people are kind of abandoning their causes, these people, they hold steady right throughout the storm because they, they have a true North Star. They truly are focused. It becomes an, it comes an anchor in their life that just holds them steady. And the anchor is a confidence based upon a knowledge of purpose. Okay, so we're back. So as you, as you heard John, he explained it so well that your success in life is intimately tied to you knowing, embracing, and walking into your purpose. Absolutely. And no one says it like John um, when, he, when he speaks. It's so clear and uh, we understand it so well. So this is our conclusion. Dear listeners, we sincerely hope and pray that this podcast has enabled you to clarify your purpose or to walk closer to finding it because we at Thriving on Purpose believe this is a foundation and cornerstone of true success in life and in your business. 
If this podcast has benefited you in any way, we would appreciate you leaving us a positive review on iTunes. And if you know anybody who might be struggling with finding their purpose, don't forget to share this important, informative podcast with them so that I may bless them. And um, also, you can go to thrivingonpurpose.com and subscribe to um, our podcast so you can be on our email list and get the latest episodes straight in your inbox and not miss any of our episodes. So may God bless you on your journey to finding your purpose. Until next week, be blessed and thrive on. Thanks for listening to the Thriving on Purpose podcast. Be sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com to access the show notes and to discover more fantastic content. Until next time, be blessed and may you thrive on purpose.